0: and good morning hope you guys are safe and well let me put my phone on a silence and give you guys a few seconds to hop on and uh, you guys sent me some great questions this week so thank you um got some new members so welcome uh to all those new members and i have logan with me this morning good morning everyone (laughs) happy tuesday Good morning, Amin and a lot of Facebook users. (laughs) I actually ran into a Facebook user at the car show at cars and copter. He goes, Hey, I'm one of your Facebook users on the (laughs) board." That's funny. Anyhow, um, yeah. So like I said, we have a lot of good questions. I'm going to have Logan read them off, um, in a few seconds and get the show started.
1: All right. Well, I'm still getting everything loaded up, guys. I see Amin is in here. Good morning. Uh, Vlad, good morning to you. And let's see here, getting the video popped up. Uh, While we still have a few people hopping in, Um, Arby is in here. Good morning. Robin, great to see you. Good morning. Tigran, it's been a little bit since I've seen you. Good morning as well. All right, all right. And, uh, I think we got the the crew in the in the room, so we'll go ahead and get started. Hit me up, Logan. Okay, so first question is from watchtech um, He asked, "I am looking to refinance a six-unit apartment building. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend my first step be—to call a mortgage broker or reach out to
0: local banks?" Both. Um, I mean, I like East West Bank. I know they they do uh, a lot of financing on multifamily; is their niche and They're very aggressive on multifamily. So anything over four unit, which is, uh, you know, six unit qualifies as a commercial uh, residential property. So I would go ahead, call East West Bank and see if uh, the region you're in, because you didn't say where you are. I don't know if it's California, Oregon or Vegas, but uh, they are pretty aggressive. Also reach out to a loan broker uh, because they can probably point you to the best lender that's being the most aggressive, um, from time to time, some new lenders come to to the market and they want to uh, capture the you know the uh, uh, you know their uh, clients in a certain region. So they really offer aggressive rates and terms. So do both. All right, next question from Magnus. Um,
1: he said, "Have you ever used a reverse exchange?" or an exchange that involved
0: using part of the boot for construction and improvements of the property? Uh, no, the, you know the, t, uh, the reverse exchange is extremely expensive. I've never done it. At one point I was contemplating to do it, but then I start uh, looking at opportunity zone fund, which is what I opted to do. And then I didn't find any properties that were in the zone that met my criteria, so I broke that fund and now I'm paying the capital gain taxes but um yeah uh, I would say contact first american title uh they're a public company nationwide they do 1031 exchanges uh, that's why I use and they would be able to give you the cost and the process to do a reverse 1031
1: all right and then he followed it up with an additional question Uh, saying, do you have any words of wisdom in terms of avoiding pitfalls in these types of transactions
0: or a preferred qualified intermediary you'd recommend using? Uh, Words of wisdom. Well, yeah, go with first American title. There is a lot of mom and pop uh, intermediary companies. Do not go with them. I've heard horror stories where they embezzle misplaced funds for their own use and uh just go with the biggest company and you know the first american title they cover the entire nation they're a public company reputable um you can get all your answers from their department
1: all right next question is from willem he said i have about two to three million in capital to work with and was thinking about buying a 100 percent empty office building cash as banks won't help you with this and working to fill it up is this mm-hmm. something feasible or avoided and if so for what reasons
0: well depends what market i mean if you're in san diego irvine newport beach um hot market and the pro- pro- you know the property is reo vacant bank owned and you're buying a discount of course i would 100 buy it all cash and do some minor improvements and flip it as a shell building to an owner user because the demands there um if it's in michigan where Vacancy rates are 70% in some submarkets, or Greens Point in Houston, where it's 65% vacancy rate. I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Uh, it all depends what market and what price you're buying it for. And if it's distressed, that's the, that's the key. If it's bank-owned and it's distressed. There is a lot of empty buildings that is priced very high. Uh, for example, this building, I'm selling it as a vacant building for you know over 500 bucks a foot. I bought it for hundred bucks a foot. Uh, That's not a distressed price. I mean, even though it's gonna be vacant when I move. So all depends on the price per foot.
1: Awesome. Next question from Brian Nelson. Uh, He said, I was wondering if you could tell us of your most difficult leasing problem and how you solved it. It seems impossible to find Mm -hmm. leasing brokers that can
0: close leases. Well, depends. Uh, Sometimes the problem is the broker. Sometimes the problem is the owner. Uh, you, if you're not uh, you know, giving them a good budget for uh, leasing costs, and then sometimes the pro- problem is the property, uh, location, um, asset class. So there's a lot of variables, but if you got the right broker and he's giving you recommendations and you're following through with those and you're not getting any leasing activity, it may just be the market. If it's a high-rise building, it's very difficult to do uh, any type of leasing right now. So a lot of variables.
1: All right. And then we've had more people hop in. So, uh Tanya, great to see you. She joined um 2 weeks ago. Welcome to the group. Welcome. Uh Carmen is in here. Michael, Zane, it's been a while. Good to see you. Um Eric regal Chris, another new member. Welcome to the group, Chris. Happy to have you here. Hans, Russell, and Georges, it's good to see all of you. All right. Our next question is going to be from uh Mazi. He said, "If you were to purchase your first commercial investment, would you do it in your local area?"
0: or out of state local Uh, definitely your first deal you want it to be local Um, if you're co-investing with some other investors on a very large you know asset class out of a state that's a fantastic opportunity maybe i'll make an exception but my first deals were local probably i would say my first 15 or 20 properties were all local to me and then i went out of state uh, 2003 to phoenix and then 2004 to Texas but it's very important you uh have a hands-on approach a strategy with a distressed deal you buy the first few deals so you can drive over there touch it oversee it uh meet with contractors get multiple uh multiple competitive bidding on uh, all the repairs it's a lot of wood to chop so I would say local all
1: right and then he followed up and said you mentioned last week that your first commercial investment mm-hmm. would be a retail center how much of a down payment should I have ready for a retail center first investment type of deal?
0: In this market, um, I would say 30 to 35%. Um, you should be able to get a 30% uh, down financing, but uh, count for 35% if it's a distressed deal or underperforming where it doesn't uh, you know, have a debt service for the loan.
1: Okay, so next question is from uh, Mustafa. He said, "Please correct me if I didn't get it right. For the current market, you suggest two strategies: buy any asset type with room for improvement to flip under a year, mm-hmm. and second is to buy low-rise office buildings under replacement costs to hold maybe three years and mm-hmm. sell when the demand is high again. Which strategy attracts more of your capital?
0: Well, definitely, um, focus more on the latter, uh, buying office buildings, uh, low-rise office buildings." that I can buy at a deep discount, uh, just the weather, the storm, and then sell them during the recovery, which is three to five years.
1: All right, and then which cities in Arizona do you recommend investing in?
0: Well, the you know, Phoenix, Mesa, Scottsdale, of course, is, you know, it's Beverly Hills. Um, you got, also you have Tucson and Tampa. Awesome.
1: Our next question is from Shashi. Uh, so he said, as a beginner in real estate, mm-hmm. what are the suggested means to determine the market value um, in parentheses to confirm the minimum target 30% discount? Is this simply a relative analysis versus similar properties in the area for mm-hmm. price per square foot? Uh, would love to hear your thought process on how you quickly determine a good baseline market value.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, CoStar has the uh, you know sales comp uh, report for that asset class for that submarket, and they take the average price per foot, um, average cap rate. So you can kind of get a uh, you know average for those uh, metrics to use. But really, I use the comps as my uh, to gauge what's my upside, right? Because uh, if there is ten properties listed in that zip code, and I'm buying it 30% below all those price per foot, and it's distressed. I mean, that's you know that's how I gauge the opportunity. But to check to see what you could sell within six months in that market, you want to get a sales report, your know, comp report from CoStar. because the ask and the bid is two different things, right?
1: All right, so we have our next question from Zoran. He uh, asked, wanted to get Manny's opinion on absolute absolute triple net leases mm-hmm. versus conventional leases versus leasebacks
0: well those are all uh different types of leases as you guys may know i like triple net leases uh on a multi-tenant asset i don't like single absolute triple net leases because those are kind of just buying a bond muni bond and putting your money parking it those are your walgreens rite aids uh uh, cbs's uh assets uh, but multi-tenant triple net lease is what I prefer it's pretty easy on accounting uh full gross or modified gross lease is very tedious with base years uh for you to do your cam billing every year so triple net is the easiest and has the upside obviously because multi-tenant and you've got some vacancy all right and then he
1: also mentioned uh conventional leases and leasebacks do you have any context on those
0: No, I mean, lease packs is when you buy a building uh, and then you do a lease and then you sell the building as an owner-user and you want to sell it. That's again becomes a single tenant, which is not uh, something I like to buy. Uh, There is no upside. It's just to park your money. I should put that on mute. (laughs) Go ahead. Next. All
1: right. Next question is
0: from Tanya.
1: Um, So Tanya asked, when a building is mismanaged, and rents are undervalued, can you just do some repairs and bump the rent for that tenant? If so, what steps do you take to legally do this? With residential, Mm -hmm. you can't do this due to rent control laws. I'm in California.
0: Oh, yep. Um, I don't do residential. Uh, Yes, there is rent control areas in California, which you can only increase the rent by a certain percentage. Uh, Commercial properties do not have rent controls. That's why I love commercial properties. Um, uh, so I can't really help you there, but, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> don't buy residential income property in rent control <laughs> areas.
1: Well, I believe so. Tanya joined the group. She's looking at commercial now. I was wondering if that applies. Perfect.
0: So Yeah. It doesn't apply to commercial properties. Um, uh, there is no such thing as far as I know.
1: Awesome. And then, um, her second question Manny mentioned commercial properties priced based on income it produces. Mm-hmm. To, uh, do comparables play any part in pricing? I also hear he mentions price per square foot a lot. Um, oh. a little confused by this and looking for more clarity.
0: Yeah. Well, the cap rate is important, uh, but the absolute priority for me is price per foot. Cap rate is going to tell you how much you're going to uh, yield on your money. Um, if you buy the property cash, obviously, when you leverage it and you're cost of borrowing is lower than the cap rate, you'll end up getting even more uh, higher return because you're uh, leveraging it. But the price per foot is absolute must because when you go to sell it, one of the main metrics that the, uh, appraisers use to uh, come up with the opinion of price on a property is price per foot. Um, cap rate, which is income approach, is another one. And then the other approach is replacement. So there's three ways that appraisers come up with a price and then they take the average. But price per foot is an absolute, absolute key. Um, You could have a 10% cap rate on a property at 600 bucks a foot. For example, uh, a Starbucks, um, I'm just using a Starbucks, let's say a mom and pop restaurant. They're selling for 10% cap and the price per foot is 400 bucks a foot. But you could have another similar property within a block away at a seven cap by selling for 160 bucks a foot. Well, I'd rather buy the lower cap at 160 bucks a foot versus a 10 cap at 400 bucks a foot.
1: Gotcha. And then to circle back on the first part of her question, if you can give any more context, um, she's wondering how much comparables play in uh, when it comes Mm -hmm. to pricing commercial real estate versus just the income that the property produces.
0: Yeah, well, the comps are really there for you to gauge your upside right and make sure you're not paying over the market you want to pay 30 percent at least discount to the what the comps are so that's really your barometer um you don't want to be following the line of the comps you want to be below that by 30 percent um and also gives you a gauge of what the average rental rates are uh, obviously the property you're buying is probably mismanaged so you got some extra vacancy versus the other comps, and that tells you what the rental rates uh, that you are competing with, with the comps.
1: Awesome. So our next question is from uh, Khalid. He said, can you talk about seller financing? Have Mm -hmm. you ever offered seller financing or accepted seller financing? And what are some ways to get a seller to accept it, Mm -hmm. offer a higher price or bigger down payment? Question mark.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I honestly, I don't remember if I've ever offered seller financing. Um, I'm a big believer of using my capital and move it on to the next opportunity. Um, and carrying back, which is seller financing. Obviously you're not going to get the, uh, you know, the, 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 whole pie when you sell the, the property, you're going to have to leave some of it as a, a note for the buyer. You essentially becoming a bank. Um, and what was his other question? so I haven't done seller financing um
1: and then just talking about seller financing more Mm -hmm. uh and have you accepted not just offered Mm -hmm. and then what are some ways to get a seller to accept seller financing
0: yeah so my first commercial property guys I used seller financing I had the seller finance uh the the, uh, note on the property because I didn't qualify for a commercial loan um that was 1998 and, uh, why would I take seller financing? Well, I couldn't qualify. And why would I offer seller financing in a scenario where a property is difficult to get financing on? Um, let's say there is, a, a, a mixed use property with some sort of tenants in there that banks don't like, <laughs> like dispensary, right? Um, those, uh, tenants tend to be very problematic for the property but they pay so much high rent. So if I have a property with a tenant that's problematic for lenders, hey, I'll sell it double the price because the income's super high and I'll carry the note. Um, That's the only time I would, but I haven't had such case, but those would be the scenarios I would consider uh, carrying a note for a buyer. All right,
1: Uh, next question from Jeremy. Um, so he said i heard doing a 1031 exchange on a flip property is Mm -hmm. not allowed if that's correct does manny have to hold his commercial properties a certain amount of time to qualify
0: there is no said rule as far as i know uh here's the key your intent when you buy the property must be that you're buying it for rental income and you want to retain the property but you know uh, as the fast pace of cycles of economy has been uh, going up and down since 2008, your you know, your business plans may have changed in a few months, in six months or eight months. But the uh, rule of thumb is the CPAs typically tell you hold a property for at least a year before you put it on the market. Um, I have not had the 1031 exchange challenged uh, by IRS, and I've been doing it for 30 years. Um, obviously, if you buy it and immediately sell it, that's definitely going to be, uh, in the red zone, uh, problematic if you get audited, but, uh, I have always had rental income while I held a property for at least six months. Um, I don't think I've flipped anything quicker than six months, but right. the key is the intent. Yeah.
1: Got it. And then the next question, uh, from Jeremy, he asked, how is Manny's LLC structured, meaning is he an employee or is it a mm-hmm. pass through? The reason for the question is trying to figure out how to access cash for personal
0: use, like buying a Rolls after a cash out refi. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have one LLC. I have like 24 entities. Um, and, uh, no, I'm not an employee. Everything's passed through, but you, you should consult your CPA.
1: All right. Uh, then we have some questions from Ali. He said, when doing a cash out refi, Mm -hmm. the lenders always ask many questions about my plans with the new cash and even want financial details of the deals I'm looking to buy later. How can I get around this hurdle? I might not even wanna do anything with the cash right now. And only the property that I'm doing the refi on should matter since it has appraised a higher value already. But it looks like they have a problem with me taking cash out just to take some cash out.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, use a loan broker and loan broker will tell you what to write on a LOE letter of explanation for the cash out. but. 99% 99% of the time I put down for business use, increased liquidity. And I have a pretty big portfolio. Um, but if you're buying your first property, you could all, always uh, tell them, hey, you you know, you know bought it six months ago. You need to do cash on refinance because you're going to spend some money on the property and you want to increase your liquidity. That usually works. Uh, what lenders don't want to see or hear is you're going to go put it down on... Uh, much bigger home, upgrade your home now. You're gonna have a higher uh, personal liability and payments, and you're gonna become a burden on the property that they're giving you a cash out. That's what they're afraid of, um, or, or you go to Vegas and gamble all. <laughs> all
1: right, next question um, from Ollie as well. He said you mentioned earlier that yeah. cell towers on office rooftops can be sold separately at a lower cap. Mm-hmm. Could the same thing be done at the towers on the ground in the corner of a parking mm-hmm. lot of property? Meaning to out-parcel yep. that little
0: piece with an access easement and sell at a low cap? 100%. Um, cell towers are real estate, right? So you could still sell it and you don't need to out-parcel it. You don't have to out-parcel it. You're just selling an easement, a 50-year, 55-year, 60-year easement. And you don't have to out-parcel. I don't out-parcel my roofs when I sell them. So uh, yeah, doesn't have to be on the roof as long as... You have, it depends, the premium you get, it depends on who's the carrier and how much lease term they have. Really, that's what's going to dictate the cap rate that the buyer is going to pay.
1: All right. Uh, So now we're hopping over to the comments and we have our first question from Z. Um, It said, hi, Manny, what property did you do next after you sold the retail strip mall in Santa Ana Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: how did you finance it?
0: So after I sold that, uh, well, I bought 2201 West 1st Street. That was a $670,000 retail center I bought from Eldorado Bank. Uh, that was my next property I bought with the SBA loan. And then I sold the Whittier property, which was my first retail center, I think a year after that. So I held it for a couple of years. But what did I do after I sold those two commercial properties? I stopped buying a lot of multifamily units in Long Beach. And... Any property I would look on MLS on their multifamily income property, and any property that had a price reduction, I would read the comments. And if I see the sellers motivated, I would make them an all cash offer two weeks close, 10 day close. And that's how I was able to use the cash to my benefit and get an immediate discount. And sometimes it's 50000 sometimes it's $100,000 reduction you get because you're paying all cash, but uh, that's an instant return, right?
1: Awesome. Uh, next question from Arash. He said, "If you get a chance, I would like to get your opinion on multifamily homes in mm-hmm. Kentucky. Fourplex and currently has all four units rented. At the current rent, the cap rate is seven percent." Hmm.
0: Yeah. Obviously, I don't know that market. Seven um, percent. Obviously, in this market where I reside in Orange County, cap rates are between three and a half to like four and a half. Uh, you know, sometimes even 2% cap I've seen by the Newport Beach by the water. Um, I don't know what the market is over there. 7 cap seems like a pretty decent uh, cap rate. If it's separately metered and the property, uh, you know, it has some upside if the rents are below market. Um, So I really don't have a comment on that. I much prefer myself to buy a retail center at a 7 cap than buy a 7% cap uh multi-family residential for the same reasons uh no matter how good of a credit tenant you put in your fourplex, you're not going to be able to raise the rents or sell it for a lower cap because your tenant is CEO of Google <laughs> but in a retail center you can
1: awesome all right so we have our next question from Willem he said hey Manny have you ever just bought a building at between six to seven cap that's running just fine for tax purposes or have you always only bought distressed buildings my wife and I would really benefit from just getting in and having bonus depreciation work for us Mm -hmm. before it starts to diminish in 2023
0: that's an interesting question um I've always been in real estate for 30 years so I've always had a lot of depreciation um but I do have properties that I held um for just cash flow but not six to 7%. My properties are out of state where eight to 9% cap rate. But if this is local to you and six to 7% makes you happy and you're getting a lot more return from the tax, uh, saving side of it by all means.
1: All right. And then we have, uh, David who mm-hmm. hopped in, good to see you he said, when looking at price per square foot, do you factor cost of land or just strictly the price
0: per square foot to replace the structure? very good question David absolutely if the property has excess land like the property I bought you definitely want to carve out and adjust the price for the excess land Uh, in other words if it's within the comps parking ratio uh floor to area ratio we call it far um if that's similar to the comps no you don't have to adjust the price for the land uh, but if it does come with additional uh, extra lot, um, and usually you'll know that by parking ratio, you'll take a look. It says 7 to 10, 7 per 1,000 or 10 per 1,000 parking ratio. That's when you, you got excess uh, parcel. Then I would definitely take that into consideration. And you can take, typically look at the assess, uh value um, and just figure out what the uh price per acre or per price per foot is on the lot and do an adjustment but that's going to be very rare to be honest with you david i usually don't do an adjustment but occasionally if the parking ratio is super high you should
1: all right and then um tigran he hopped in with another question and said i wonder what does many think about hotels for flipping them or keeping them for cash flow Mm -hmm.
0: well hotels i look at them as business they're kind of like you know, um, your senior live in, um, residential facilities, um, hospice, care, hotels. These are businesses that you have to operate, um, to collect rent. It's not, a uh, you don't have a lease with a tenant. This is a business people come in, they want to stay and you charge them. So, um, I, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, they usually get crushed during recessions because travel dies companies don't have the budget uh, to send their employees on travel Um, I don't like it but if you do find one that is grossly mismanaged and it's local to you and you have an operator that can take over and improve it uh, I would consider it awesome uh next question from Hans is there a firm or contact many would recommend for a loan broker Oh, it's the same guy, Brandon Harris. And again, depends. Uh, Brandon Harris does commercial. I don't think he does uh, multifamily, residential. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there is tons of uh, you know brokers out there, and they're pretty competitive. Yeah. So
1: Hans, if you search Brandon Harris in the Facebook group, his contact info will pop up, and then also there should be a uh, referrals recommendation doc. Under resources in your members area that'll have that information as well. Um, so next question from Damon: I'm currently looking at a retail property with a cannabis dispensary tenant. Can you uh, you mentioned that this is a problematic tenant? Can you expand on that and will it impact the exit?
0: Of course. Uh, federally, it's still you know looked upon as illegal activity, um, even though some states I don't know how many twenty eight or 29 states have legalized cannabis uh banks or government regulated federally they will not lend you money as far as I know and if you do have a tenant that you're collecting rent from a cannabis tenant uh and you have a loan on the property very likely you're going to get uh into problems with your lender that's why I stay away from them but hey if you're buying it all cash uh, and then when you want to sell it do a carry back and if you're making it hello a hell of, lot of profit why not
1: all right and then uh our last question for the day is going to be from kusha looks like he's doing a double header i uh, going to see you he said for chandler arizona what mm-hmm. price per square foot should i target for a retail multi-tenant building that i want to hold for cash flow i'm looking at one that is 100 percent occupied with four tenants mm-hmm. and starbucks is one of the tenants."
0: Yeah, you know, the price per foot, I would say, run the comps. Look on CoStar and see what's on the market price per foot. If you have a Starbucks in there, you're probably paying, you know, definitely over the comps on the price per foot side of it. Um, I don't like that uh, because when you go to appraise it, you're, you know, you're paying basically for the Starbucks, uh, you know, credit. Um, but on the resale, uh, it's going to be problematic because it's four tenants, 100% occupied. You don't have much of a way to add value um and i don't remember if he said the cap rate is the cap rate um the cap rate was not included oh, okay yeah um, but kush i would pass on it uh, uh you want to buy something with some vacancy uh that's your upside
1: all right and that should wrap it up guys one last point for our new members who are just yeah. joining we highly recommend go in the facebook group introduce yourself. Why you're here? What your experience is? What you're looking to accomplish? Please, yes. so you can get connected with everyone.
0: Thank you, guys. Uh, be safe. Be well. See you guys next week.